Well, for the sweet sounds of our 30-second intro music to the sweet sounds of <laughs> Phil Collins, about to bang away on one of the most famous drum solos of all time. Kenny, you know what's interesting about this song? I don't know if you've seen this on the internet before, but you're the same vintage as I am. Grew up as a kid in the 80s, and you'd always hear about this song and this story that Phil Collins heard about this kid who watched another kid drown and just let it happen and wrote a song about it and like unveiled it at a concert and invited the kid who let the, let the kid drown into the front row just like drop this bomb on him. And I, I wasn't sure, you hadn't heard that rumor before? I think you're frozen, Kenny. Should be back, uh, there, sorry. You're back. Uh, had you ever heard that rumor before? I did not, no, that's a new, okay. it's, you, we're going well, into the uh, archives here. We're going into the I musical arc. I was not prepared it, for this. I know it made its way around me because he was on uh, Jimmy Kimmel or one of those shows, or The Late Show, uh, or The Tonight Show, and he was asked about this very thing, and it was like total farce, and it never happened. It was like a, one of those urban legends that started up. It was a song about him and like a relationship he was in or something like that. It was all a metaphor. Anyway, I totally took us on a different uh, uh, track there. Let's get back to what we're here to talk about, which is the Winnipeg Ice and the Edmonton Oil Kings third round series which is going to be an absolute barn burner. Kenny, we set up their first round series for the Winnipeg. I set up their second round series. They made fairly handy work of the two teams they faced before that, but not as handy work as the Edmonton Oil Kings have made so far in the playoffs. They have yet to lose eight straight wins, two straight series in which they swept their opponents. Uh, just quickly off the top, before we get into our guests, who are going to be Don McGillivray, the Brandon Wheat Kings head coach, is going to the coach's perspective on this, and Brian Munns, who is the voice of the Winnipeg Ice, but rally the storm is what they, the, the rallying cry that they've got going on here for the Winnipeg Ice, and teams who have come in here to play have been stepping into a storm, but what kind of storm is heading here with the Edmonton Oil Kings, Ken? Yeah, I think this is going to be just an absolutely tremendous series. Uh, two of the best teams in all of Canada, let alone the Western Hockey League. Obviously, you touched on the fact that the or the Ice have gone five games in each of their series, but have won them handily. But no one has yet to beat the Edmonton Oil Kings in these playoffs. They're a very both these teams incredibly deep. They play four lines, three excellent lines. They're not afraid to go to their fourth. They both have strong defense cores. Uh, what I would say. It, there's tons of skill on the Edmonton Oil Kings team, but they're also maybe a little bit of a heavier team uh, that they play. So you know, listen to James Patrick earlier this week. The Ice are not going to change their style. That, that doesn't mean they're not going to be physical when they can be, but this is a team that has relied on skill. They're a hardworking bunch. They are very structured, and in order for them to win this series, they're going to have to put that skill on display, but also check hard. I mean, that does, as James said, it doesn't mean running your opponent through the end boards all the time. But it means being in the right areas and, and doing those sorts of things. So for me, uh, goaltending obviously is going to be a massive factor in this round. you got Sebastian Casa, the first rounder from last year, and you got youngster Daniel Hauser. Both have been excellent in these playoffs. Casa uh, won all three of his starts against the Edmonton Oil Kings, or sorry, against the Ice during the year. Uh, the lone victory came when he was uh, at the World Juniors, I believe. And uh, for Hauser, he only played one of the three. I think Gage Alexander got three of the four starts. So it's an interesting uh, component between the pipes. Not that it's an unknown, but it's a little bit of a you know a factor that you haven't seen a guy as often. Hauser's been great during these playoffs. So has Casa. Uh, I think it's going to be a fantastic matchup between the pipes. And there are two. Lots of skill up front on both teams. You got 
a little bit more of an experienced group with the Oil Kings, whereas you have a little bit of a younger core, and not necessarily younger core. The Ice have plenty of players that have experience, but I think you know some of their drivers are still young players. So it'll be interesting to see how the likes of you know Zach Benson and uh, Matthew Savoy and Connor Geeky play in this round. Tons of uh, you know we know that we know the round is going to be scouted very heavily, uh, and we also know that both these teams are excellent hockey clubs that they can't wait. Uh, to get the series going it seems like this has been a collision course all year long and now the collision has arrived with game one of what is expected to be a fantastic series uh, between two really good hockey clubs yeah can i think of this series and it feels to me like it's a little bit of a uh, the future versus the present right the Winnipeg sure. ice being the future of the team that's a little bit ahead of schedule on where everyone thought they were going to be versus the edmonton oil kings so i think everyone kind of expected what's going to be here now we get to see if the Winnipeg Ice can make the future the present for this season I think another way to look at this considering these two teams are the second and third ranked teams in the entire CHL I mean one of the Winnipeg Ice employees said to me on the way into the building this could very well have been the Memorial Cup championship yeah. right in a way it's a little bit of a bummer that these two teams are meeting as early as they are in the process because these are probably two would be two of the most dangerous teams to make it to the Memorial Cup right now in Halifax. But ends the breaks. This is how it goes. You got to deal the hands you're dealt. It's been a tough hand for both these teams to be dealt before they get to the WHL final. But so be it. This is how it goes. You want to be the best, you got to beat the best. Uh, and speaking of the best, here's one of the best guys we know. Uh, on the golf course as well, and uh, on the occasions we've been able to be out with them. Let's bring in Don McGillivray, the head coach of the Brandon Wheat Kings. Uh, great to see you here. Um, I'm wondering for you, we're trying to build this up as we are we building this series up to be bigger than it is, or is this truly two of maybe the best teams in the entire country, in the entire CHL, set to clash here fairly early on? Well, if you consider the Western Hockey League to be the, the top league uh then yes for sure they would be considered the two top teams i think you know uh Kamloops, uh and uh, important or sorry uh, uh who, i can't remember even who won that series but uh, Kamloops is a, a strong contender out in the other side and because we didn't play these the western conference this year you know it's, it's really an unknown uh, typically, those teams are really good, and uh, I know that they've come through some tough series. Seattle is the other team. Seattle and Camels will start tonight as well. So um, I would say, you know, both, if you look at all the teams that are still alive, they all added players at the deadline to give themselves a bump, figuring they had a chance to win, and, and these two teams are exceptional teams. Right on, Don. Uh, we'll dig through a bunch of the things, but I think one of the kind of X factors for the series for me is Jack Finley. I think he's only played once uh, since the trade happened. Uh, what kind of a role do you see Jack playing, especially given the size of not just the defense core of the Oil Kings, but also some of their uh, skilled and, and big guys up front with, you know, kind of neighbors and uh, Gunther? Well, Winnipeg is a smaller team, smaller, skilled, quick team, and, and Finley gives them a chance to have some size, get the matchups that they need. You know, Demick, for example, is a big, strong centerman that they're going to have to have someone play against him. Sort of they, who they brought in is a good, strong, solid centerman. And Finley, you know, will be able to play with him. He's really good on the face-offs. He'll be good in the net front and the power play. He's, uh, you know, he's a t prototypical playoff player. They, they, they acquired him for this reason, to be a good player for them in the playoffs, and he's been just that. I think that uh, he's really given them a nice uh, luxury to move pieces around, for James to move pieces around and get the matchups that he likes. 
You're muted. You're muted. Tell, tell me, Don, if this is a fair assessment on my part. You know, the WHL was the league where men went to play for a lot of years. The big, heavy, tough, strong league. And it, I think it would have seemed that when you were going into a series where one of the teams was a little bit bigger and could lean on the other team the way the Edmonton Oil Kings are built, it was almost like in the WHL that was the team that was going to come out on top. I wonder if there's been an evolution in the WHL over the last five years or so where the skill component has really upped to kind of keep pace with the NHL game and the way it's changing and, and if that maybe changes how we look at these WHL series now and that maybe it's not a given that the big heavy team rolls its way through well the difference would be uh, Edmonton's not unskilled they have some terrific skilled players that are bigger and, and stronger I think what you're going to see is two really skilled highly skilled teams go at it uh, the difference might be the age of some of the Edmonton players, they have a little bit more experience. You know, you have a Benson, Savoy, Geeky that are still really young players that are, are really producing well for Winnipeg and, and have given them the added depth that they needed. Um, you know, how those guys perform in this series will be a determining factor. Winnipeg hasn't seen a team with the depth that Edmonton has uh, to this point in the playoffs. PA was a good, hard team, physical team, but they, don't, they only really could come at you with – you know, two lines maybe and, and one set of defense that you'd have to, you know, that they'd have key on. Edmonton's going to bring, you know, three lines for sure and 4D that play a lot of minutes and are big and heavy and, and can move pucks. So this is a this is going to be the tough matchup. If Winnipeg gets through this series, they'll have a chance to win the whole thing. Um, whoever wins this series is going to be a real good representative for the Eastern Conference and, and uh, we'll have a chance to win, I think, and, and get to the Memorial Cup. Let's go between the pipes quickly, Donnie. Obviously, Daniel Hauser's story has been very impressive. Uh, at the other end, you got you know a high draft pick, big six foot six guy in Sebastian Casa. Uh, how do you see that matchup playing out? You know, I really like Hauser. I think he's been uh, outstanding all year long. Very consistent. He doesn't give up goals that, that typically you know doesn't give up the bad goals. He, he, if you beat him, you have to really work hard to beat him. Kosa obviously is a big frame, uh, can make the save. I think he's had some points in the season where he struggled a little bit coming right back after the World Juniors. I thought he struggled quite a bit. Um, but when he's on his game, he's as good as there is in the league, and there's a reason why he was drafted as high as he was. If Hauser's good, and which he's going to have to be, uh, I think that's a soft. And it's certainly if there was ever an injury, Winnipeg has the advantage with Alexander, who has a little bit more experience than Edmonton's backup. I had the privilege of uh, doing color on the Game 5 uh, series with Winnipeg Ice and the Warriors. Um, one of the things that I took away from that was the young guys on this team, Zachary Benson's, and I consider Hauser to be fairly young. I've been a little bit surprised, to be honest, the way that they've responded to the pressure cooker of the playoffs. I feel like they've taken their games kind of to a different level. I'm wondering what you're seeing, and I think I'll stick with what Kenny was talking about in goal with Hauser because I saw in that game five, he gave up two early goals. But what I saw was a young guy that I thought was going to get shaken. And instead I saw a guy who was extremely calm, didn't change his game, continued to fight his way through. I was highly impressed with the book. What have you maybe learned from some of the younger players on this team that are kind of getting the, you know, the pressure test for the first time and how they've responded? Well, Hauser's been really good. He's been good all year long. Uh, they went on long winning streaks where he's been the guy carrying the mail, and he, he's extremely confident. Um, you know, the games that we've played against him, are, you know, we're very 
few where we were able to put a lot of pucks by him. Um, Benson is a top, top player. Like he's a highly skilled player. It's not scared. He gets into the traffic. He goes into traffic. He, he can make plays under pressure. He can skate. He can shoot. Um, you know, so he, I don't know if, you know, he's going to be playing against some really good defensemen in this series, which will make it a little bit tougher. And, and not only are they big, they're mobile. Like Gooley and Kolkop, uh, um, Kubasek would be the weakest of the four guys that they have. Dohaniak, you could put Dohaniak and Kubasek, they would be a first-line pairing on any team in the Western Hockey League, and they're playing second pairing. So I think if there's an etch uh, or it's going to be harder for some of the Winnipeg forwards like Savoy and Geeky and Benson, who are younger, is that'll be the first time that they really experience where they're playing against top-end defensemen who are playing for something as well. Like, you have to understand what or Edmonton's been building for this year as well. Like, they're, they're here to win, uh, as is Winnipeg, and I think that uh, Winnipeg will see the best out of Edmonton's defense. Let's stay on defense, but let's go to the ice uh, defense, Don. Uh, obviously, talking about the depth for the uh, Oil Kings and some of the skill. Um, you know, how do you see that matchup? Obviously, Carson Lambeau is the guy who played a lot of high-end games, but how do you see sort of the, some of the members of the supporting cast and what the challenges might be for them in, in taking on what is both a skilled and heavy group that they'll be facing in terms of those forwards? Well, the one advantage the ice have is they're all mobile and they get back for pucks, and they move pucks quickly. And if, Winnip- if Winnipeg is going to win this series, that is going to be the key because Edmonton is going to get in on the four-check. They're going to finish some checks. Uh, that'll be something that Winnip- Winnipeg hasn't had to deal with that much. The team that they just finished playing wasn't a physical team. They were a, you know, a highly skilled team as well. And I think that uh, Edmonton has some highly skilled guys, but guys like Neighbors, uh, Weeb, Lupian, Souch, those guys finish checks. And when Winnipeg, if they're going to have success, they've got to get the puck to the forwards because uh, their forward group matches up with anybody's and, and then what they can do, um, you know, from there on. But uh, I, I think if Winnipeg spends a lot of time defending, um, I think it's going to be to the advantage of Edmonton. They'll be able to cycle a little bit and get some zone time, wear them down a little bit if, if that's the kind of game that they want to play. Both teams are extremely good off the rush. So, uh, the defensive posture of the of the of the forwards is going to have to help the de- decors on both teams. I don't think you can you can just rely on your decor in terms of defending. The, the, the forwards are going to have to really help because, like I said, both teams are really good off the rush. They don't they don't waste a lot of opportunities, and they don't need more than a couple opportunities to score. They can both score. This sounds like the kind of series where Carson Lambos is going to be extremely important. I thought from the games I've seen from him, he's a one of those first pass wizards, right? Like he takes the heat, turns it up ice and makes that pass, seems to do it with ease at most times. Uh, I know we see, you know, typically at the NHL level, you'll get those number one horse defensemen who just control so many minutes during the game. Uh, is he the kind of player you can see James Patrick being able to lean on for really, really huge minutes in an effort to, uh, to, 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 you know, alleviate some of what you're talking about? Yeah, he's going to have to. I, I mean, but I think he, he relies a lot on his partner. Orzak gets back for pucks, and he's really good moving the puck and skating the puck out of trouble. So I think that uh, Nolan Orzak might be more of a key than Carson Lambos. Lambos is going to play a lot for sure, and he's going to have to play. But the reality is, is Edmonton's going to be able to bring three offensive lines out 
he can't play the whole game. And if he does, he's going to make mistakes. And that's where Edmonton will take advantage of him. You know, they're going to have to get good play out of Orzak. They're going to have to get good play out of Zelotti and Brown as a, as a second pair. And then they're going to have to find minutes for those other guys that are playing, you know, the 5-6 spot, 5-6-7 spot if they choose to go seven defensemen. They're going to have to get minutes out of those guys because it'll just get too long of a series, too hard of a series for those four guys. They'll get worn down. Yeah, Don, what's what's sort of to you about how Jonas Wu has kind of stepped in? I mean, for me, you know, there were some times in the first round where he was playing with Lambos. I mean, he's really stood out. His smarts are something that really stand out to me. Uh, how do you think he's handled the transition from, you know, after spending the majority of the year playing AAA midget hockey? Yeah, he's done really well, but he's a, he's a, he's a prototypical ice defenseman. He can skate and he gets back to pucks and he moves pucks well. So that's part of his game. This will be, this will be a, different, uh, a different type of series for him, I think. You know, I'll be really impressed if he can play well in this series with the heavy forecheck that Edmonton will probably bring. I think that, uh, you know, we had a, a 15-year-old play with us at the end of the year. And, yeah. you know, it, 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 he's a good player. And, uh, you know, he, he had some moments where it was just a little bit harder for him because he was playing against a heavy forecheck. And I think that's what Jonas will end up being in this, this series. I think that... Uh, you know, they're going to have to rely on those other guys to get the job done. I don't think you can rely on a 15-year-old to come in and, and uh, play big minutes against a team like Edmonton. To that point, uh, I've been interested in the way James Patrick has handled uh, his youth on his roster this year. Um, I'm interested in, you know, again, I take a look at Zach Benson. I see he's sitting fourth in WHL playoff scoring. The only, I think he did, yeah, he just turned 17 last week. And the three guys that are ahead of him are second-round picks uh, and a first-round pick, and all of them two years older. And so what he's doing kind of kind of blows me away. And again, to the point that Ken's making with Jonas Wu, I mean, he was taking a regular shift in these last couple of series. It doesn't look like he's out of place. I know there's a, a heavier component coming down the pipe here, but I'm just interested in your take on how the ice were able to incorporate youth the way they did this year and the buy-in that you have to get from your more established players to allow room for those players to be given that opportunity. Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, sometimes uh, players get the opportunity and, and you, you have to maintain that uh, your older guys, keeping your older guys happy. And I, I think one thing that allowed them to implement their young guys more freely than some of the other teams is because they were such a good team and there's games where they're up you know, 5-1 after one period and allows you to play four lines, allows you to put guys in different spots. Other teams, like I'll use our team as an example, you know, we, we didn't have any of those kind of games. So we, you know, you're fighting to win hockey games and you're, you're relying on your older guys to get the job done for you. And, you know, we played our young guys. We, play, we typically play four lines. <clears throat> um, but, you know, certainly Winnipeg's young guys got into some good situations. Benson's a highly skilled player, you know, so like, I'll use Nate Donaldson for us. Nate Donaldson was in the same spot the year previous, and he played – he quarterbacked the second unit power play for us. So, you know, it, it can happen if you're a really talented player. James has done a real nice job. He's a really good coach. So is Brad Lauer. Both those guys, you know, play – have their team play in a certain way. And, and they and they're, the one thing about James's team is it's very detailed. He's very detailed in terms of what he expects out of his guys, and he allows his guys some freedom, but he also holds those young, those young guys real accountable. How about Tanner Brown, too? What kind of impact has he had on this back end? Obviously, we knew that that was an area where the ice would be looking to add at the deadline. Uh, what's he meant to, you know, maybe one of those under-the-radar pickups? 
Yeah, for sure. He's come in and, and given them a nice balance. Or, you know, basically giving them a top four. Uh, so they, they feel comfortable play, playing those four defensemen against any lines. You know, so when you get on the road, it doesn't really matter about the matchups. You just you just kind of roll them over the boards. I think that uh, Brown's complimented Zelotti. You know, they, they move the puck well together. He's also a little bit harder at that front. Uh, he's a good penalty killer. You know he's added he's added a lot to their team. I think he's given them give them some stability back there. Don, I find it so interesting just when you're talking about a developmental league filled with kids who are you know, trying to get drafted. The dream is to go to the NHL. At this time of year, this is where you know I, I feel like everything gets ramped up. And as a player, you want to prove that you can do it in the playoffs in front of the scouts, so that you get that idea of being you know like a top level performer, a playoff performer, even before you get out of the gate. And so I think it makes it a little bit unique—not maybe unique, but definitely you know it's something they're dealing with. The Winnipeg Ice, the idea that so many of these players, the Connor Geekies, the Matsa boys, are trying to impress the scouts one last time before they go into the draft. And I'm sure that comes with a lot of pressure. I wonder, from your perspective as a coach, how do you think you have to go about managing the pressure for players like that who who you need something from because they're already key players on your team, but you kind of don't want to overwhelm them at the same time? How do you strike that balance? I, I think you just take the pressure off them. I, I mean, they're going to get drafted. It doesn't really matter where they get drafted at this point. you know. And I think they're good players. They've established themselves all year long as good players. You know, uh, I had the pleasure of coaching Nolan Patrick when he was being touted as a, as a first overall, that's a lot of pressure. And, uh, you know, and I, I think the players handle it differently. I, I think if they can just be part of the, you know, the, the nice thing about Winnipeg is they don't have to rely on Savoy and Geeky. They have other guys, you know, the Mikey Mills of the world, the Petersons of the world that get the job done for them. So they're, they're just a piece of the puzzle and they can just go out and play. And I'm sure that's what James tells them. Just go out and play, but play within the structure that we've designed for you. Donnie, to me, a guy like, not more than anybody else, but geeky, like given his body type, you know, you know, he's skilled. He's a little, got a little bit more size. I mean, to me, this is kind of a series that he's kind of built for. I mean, what kind of things would you be looking for from him in this series? Again, I mean, he's a young player, so I think you got to temper your expectations in terms of what he's going to be able to bring in this, in this situation. The guys he's playing against are going to be 19 and 20, um, that are experienced players that are good players in their own right. So I think, you know, Connor's a big player that can get inside. He's got a good shot. He doesn't have to be at the net to score. Um, he's, a, he's, he's, a, he's a good passer. He sees, sees the ice well. So I think he can be a valuable player. He can, he can do a lot of things. What will be really interesting for me is to see how both those two guys handle the physical play of some of Edmonton's forwards and their D. Their D their D don't give a lot of space in the neutral zone and they step up a lot. I think the one thing about uh, those two guys is they're real smart. They can they make plays and Savoy has quickness that, you know, if you if he gets a step on you, he's taking it to the net and he's not scared to take it to the net. And that's an area that he's really improved on from the previous time he was in the Western Hockey League. You know, he had a year off there. He wasn't in the hub last year. But he, he, he he's not scared to take the puck to the net, and he's a factor in the games. I hope this is a fair question because I know you are in season and you're dealing with your own team and, you know, everything that comes with that. But I'm sure when top teams clash, there's always an eye from the coaches that heads towards that. So from the season series between the Winnipeg Ice and the Edmonton Oil Kings, what 
What did you take away from that? Well, when they played each other, are you talking about when we played them or when they played each other? Well, you know what? A little bit of both. When those two teams played each other, but also from what you took away from playing those two teams. So, first of all, when they played each other, I don't think either team was the way they are right now. They're not, you know, they didn't have Finley. Uh, Edmonton was missing guys at the World Juniors, that kind of thing. Lavos didn't play a couple games. So, you know, throw those out the window. You know, I, I think when we played them, you know, we didn't play Winnipeg. We played them one time with basically our team. So, they, they pretty much owned us all year long. Uh, we played Edmonton uh, three times at Christmas time, which they didn't have the World Junior guys other than the one game. So, you know, they're very – they're just different teams. They're similar in a lot of ways, but they're just different style of teams. I think Winnipeg is a little bit more structured, a little, works a little harder from top to, from start to finish than what Edmonton does. And in the playoffs, you know, that might be a different story for Edmonton. But during the season, you could see low, uh, points in the season where Edmonton um, – you know, had some trouble at times, and I think it was to do with, you know, either they were getting bored or they, you know, just didn't work for 60 minutes. Whereas Winnipeg works. They, they, they come at you, and Winnipeg, I find, if they get a lead on you, they're harder to play against. If, if, if you get a lead on them then they're, and they chase the game a little bit, you can make them change their game a little bit. And I think that that might be the advantage of Edmonton is, is I think Edmonton will be able to score, which other teams haven't been able to do. Donnie, you talked about the coaches. Uh, for me, one of the things that stands, special teams are so important in both two great power plays, but one of the things that stood out for me, um, the Oil Kings, 15 shorties during the year and another four in the playoffs. What is it about their structure outside of just the pressure points that has allowed them to be so successful while playing shorthanded? Well, their goal reads are outstanding. So when they get in the zone, they're very aggressive. If they turn the puck over, they're going. And they, they get two guys flying the zone right away. Uh, they're very, very dangerous on specialty teams. <clears throat> I remember a game early in the season, we got scored twice shorthanded. Um, you know, I, I, and I've seen Jackson Weeb score. Uh, he scored against Red Deer shorthanded, you know, in, in a critical point. You know, they have, they have guys that understand how to play, how to read, and are competitive. And when they get the possession of the puck, it's, it's like they're playing five on five. Our audience by now from these shows is probably pretty familiar with the likes of Benson and Mill and Geeky and Savoy. Um, on the other side of things, uh, the star power that comes with players like Dylan Genther and Jake Neighbors. Give us an idea of how impactful those players could be in this series. Well, Neighbors obviously played 10 games or nine games in the NHL. He's a, he's a solid 200-foot player. He's heavy. He's got a good shot. Sees the ice extremely well. Gunther has a great shot. Uh, he's dangerous on the power plate. Not unlike some of Winnipeg's players. I think the difference for me, if you look at the stats, uh, Williams has been really quiet for Edmonton, and I think uh, the Red Deer series doesn't really suit him. I think he he's a guy that could be dangerous against Winnipeg if he gets a little bit more room. He's a good player. He can score, and he's a he's a he's not a complimentary player. He's a, a go-to guy. You know, I think that uh, Justin Surtoff gives a gives an edge there's an ugly guy in the camera here i don't know <laughs> all i want to know is how many strokes he's giving me uh justin surtoff real good addition for them you know he's he was vancouver's top player he's a good face-off guy a lot like jack finley but he's also a 200 foot player he kills penalties plays in the power play he can play on the wing. He can play center. So, again, Lauer has some opportunity to move people around if he doesn't like the matchup he's getting. 
Um, the guys that are kind of under 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 the radar for me with Edmonton are with the Weaves, the Lupians, Souch, Horseman is a good saw. He's like a lot like Wheatcroft, kind of up and down, uh, bangs of bodies. Um, but their top guys are all good players. Like their top nine would be on anybody's top nine, would maybe be in the top six for most teams, a lot like Winnipeg's team. Like they're from a forward perspective, they match up very similarly. The only difference would be I think Edmonton's a little bit heavier and a little bit older, and that might be an advantage for them. Donnie, you touched on it a little bit, but Caden Gooley is a guy that you – know, Aside from just being skilled, he has that kind of meanness element. I mean, how big an X factor can he be in this series for the old? Yeah, he's, I mean, when he's on his game, he's the best player in the league. He's a guy that can take take minutes. He quarterbacks. He moves the puck. He's physical. Um, you know, the biggest thing for Winnipeg to do will be to challenge him, challenge him physically, get him off his game a little bit. Like they're going to have to get those guys to do things they don't want to do. Uh, if Edmonton has a drawback. And it could be the the X factor in the series is if they take bad penalties, Winnipeg will make them pay on the power play. Winnipeg has a tremendous power play. They have highly skilled guys, and they've they've been great from the, from the start of the year till now. So I don't see that changing. Edmonton's discipline is going to have to be a factor if uh, if they want to win the series. Don, I'm interested in the comment you made earlier on in the conversation where you'd said, you know, if the WHL is the top league. In the CHL, I, I'm interested in your thoughts on that. What do you see from? I, again, it may not be a fair question. It may be hard to gauge, hard enough to gauge the Western Conference of the WHL. Never mind the OHL and the QMJHL. But what are you seeing from the WHL? What's your faith in it being maybe the strongest league in the CHL? Yeah, I think it is just because we played last year. You know, we, even though it was a smaller sample size, whereas Ontario didn't. I think they're a little bit behind. And when I talked to some of the NHL scouts, that's kind of the opinion that they had. The Western League was a little bit further ahead than some of those other leagues. You know, I mean, the team that comes out of those leagues is going to be a good team no matter what. Um, But the teams, you know, certainly Winnipeg and Edmonton are good teams. I've watched a lot of Kamloops. They're a good team. Uh, Seattle, to me, they added a couple key guys that got – Terrell Bauer back at the end, not coming off an injury. And he's a good player that he'll give them – that that'll be a really good series. I don't know who who'll win that series, and and the the, the league final is going to be tough. Like it's not; those aren't those aren't uh, those are good teams. So uh, I mean, I still would give the, the edge to Winnipeg or Edmonton if they get through, just because of the skill and the and the depth of their forwards. Uh, I think that will be the difference. Quick one too about Connor McLennan, uh Donnie, a uh, guy that brings a lot of swagger to the game. I wonder if that was going to be a big factor. I can't hold, use hold up. You're frozen for a sec there, Kenny. Connor seems like the kind of guy that, uh, with that attitude, that was something that the ice could use in this series. Yeah, you know, he's he's a game breaker. We don't even talk about him because they're they have so so many good players. Like you kind of forget about him. But you know, when he's on the power play and he he can hit a one timer, uh, he's 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 not scared. Like he'll defend his teammates. He gets in there. He gets into the hard areas. He's a really good player. He he could be the fa- he could be a factor in this in this uh, series for sure. But in saying that, Edmonton's got four guys like that. That's the difference. You know, for me, like I said uh, earlier on, um, Edmonton just is a is is the deepest team Winnipeg's faced uh, to this point for sure. 
and probably has as much skill and offensive output as, as what Winnipeg does. So the, 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 the X factors are going to be huge. The goaltending, the power play, the penalty kill, the discipline, those are going to be the X factors in the series, which they typically would be. But in this series, because of the, the, the evenness of the depth of the, of the, the rosters, I think that's, that'll be the difference. John, we strive to bring good analysis to all these shows we do here, but I got to tell you, I think that we are spoiled in a way that we've never been before having you on this show. This was phenomenal insight uh, from a guy who went to war with the teams out here all year. Uh, we so appreciate you jumping on, uh, and we'd love to talk to you in the future if you'd love to be available for it. Anytime, and I, I have to say that I enjoyed your color. I don't usually listen to Munzee because uh, I can't. I have to turn him off, but... Uh, and, and not because Kevin O is totally pro Winnipeg, and uh, I appreciated listening to you with Munzila. I actually listened to the whole game. I'm not at a point right now where I can come and watch the game. I just don't like either team, so <laughs> I, I can't be at the game. But uh, I enjoyed being out with you guys. Oh, that was thanks, Tony. Appreciate it. Thank you so yeah. much. We'll see you out on the links. Sounds Have good. A great Austin. All right, well, I don't know if, uh, is there a point in bringing on our next guest now that he's, oh, uh, yeah. you know, he's said, uh, hey, Donnie doesn't even tune in, let's bring him in and he can defend himself. I think you made Don mad by sticking your head in here while he was on and taking him up of his thought process there. But, Plenty, I'm happy to have you on. I wanted to start out by thanking you for having me on with you last week. Uh, game five, that was a fun game. I thought it showed us a whole bunch of stuff about this Winnipeg Ice team that, you know, stuff that makes them good, I thought was on display there. But we got to turn the page from a Warriors team that was full of skill to a, uh, a multiple keeper, a lot tougher, maybe even more skilled than the Ice team. I'll turn the question the same way I did with Don. What kind of challenge lies ahead of the Winnipeg Ice here? How many strokes is he giving me? Did you get the big answer of uh, the entire show here or not? Wait, he's trying to focus. You don't on, need any help. You don't need any matter. help. Not, not what you're doing here. You're constantly dodging and bobbing the questions. Well, well you know what, what, do you what do you take away from this series? Yeah, you know what? Uh, this is going to be a tremendous series. And as much as, and again, Sean, for what you said before, uh, thanks for jumping in, but Kevin Owen was unavailable there to wrap up the Moose Jaw series. We had a ton of fun, and uh, Kevin's in the building. He's here like an hour and a half before game time because he knew how good you were. So uh, maybe we'll have to go three-man. We'll take Weaver's headset. We'll see what happens here. But overall, uh, you know, this is going to be a fantastic series. It's been 232 days since the regular season began in the WHL, and really since opening night when Winnipeg beat Brandon in their building by a 10-2 final. Uh, everyone's been thinking that it was going to be the Ice and the Oil Kings in the Eastern Conference Championship Series. So I think all in all, it's been uh, what everybody's anticipated and the way the postseason has gone so far with the Ice winning their first rounds respectively in five and Edmonton being able to sweep both Lethbridge and Red Deer that, uh, you know, the collision course is finally here and we're drawing closer to the 7 o'clock game time. Fans are starting to come into the building already and behind us here. And you can tell there's uh, a little bit of a post-season buzz going around Winnipeg right now here for the ice for sure. Munzee, what stood out to you in terms of the preparation from the ice group this week? Obviously, uh, you know, James Patrick and his staff has had this team prepared. Uh, what stood out to you about their preparation for this series specifically? You know what, Weaver? I think the one thing that I think kind of eases the, the nerves, if you want to say it, is they really haven't 
seemed that much different compared to round one against Prince Albert because they knew the Raiders were going to be a tough, especially inside the Art Hauser Center. That building is second to none for a smaller, confined area. It's, uh, it's a tough place to go in. And then the skill and the finesse and uh, the young star power that the Moose Jaw Warriors have, you know, they had to kind of adjust their focus a little bit there, but also just kind of continue on the lane. So I think this series, having gone through those 10 games, is the next step for Winnipeg right now because I think the Oil Kings have a little bit of PA in their grit and their size and they've definitely got skill like Moostra had with uh, a lot of players led by Dylan Gunther who scored in every playoff game that Edmonton's played so far. So uh, I think those first two series were a good building block and you know what, they know that you know, the Oil Kings are arguably the, the best team in the league right now. They they have 16 players that are 19 and 20 years old. Like Kurt Hill has built this club for this year right now. Winnipeg's the young group that was able to go through the regular season and uh, surprise a lot of people. Obviously, the young star power is what everybody's talking about. That's why there's probably going to be 50 or 60 scouts uh, in the building here this weekend. They want to see who's eligible for the draft. So it uh, creates a lot of really terrific storylines for sure. One of my favorite things about that Don McGillivray interview was right at the end where he talked about not being able to come into this building. It's the hate for both these teams is still strong. I love that. Uh, I'm wondering, I know that things were a little bit tricky when it came to these two teams because they never really saw each other at their best. So like Don said, throw out what happened in the regular season. And now let's start tonight figuring out who these two teams are and what they look like playing against each other. But I wonder... Was there enough between these two teams for a little bit of hate to build going into this series? And if not, how long do you think it'll take before it gets going? I don't know if I would say hate, Sean. I think I would just say it's a mutual respect where both teams have watched each other play and, and they know each other's good, right? They were the two top teams in their respective divisions. So, and there's so much familiarity. And I think both the free press and the Sun have done a terrific job this week kind of leading into the series, talking about just that, where... You know, the Winnipeg Ice know how good those Edmonton players are. There's six players on the Oil Kings that played in the World Junior Hockey Championship. Winnipeg has two of those. You look at all the Alberta kids that uh, are together, that have played against each other from when they were five years and up all the way through to where they are right now. So I don't think the regular season really has anything to do with where we sit right now. And I think you are bang on when you take a look at the four games that were played this year, neither team really had their full lineup. Uh, Carson Lambos missed a couple of games. The World Junior guys were away, obviously, when the Oil Kings were here for the back-to-back games. Uh, Jack Finley was still a member of the Spokane Chiefs. He only got a chance to play these guys once. So I think game one and game two coming up here tonight and tomorrow inside the ice cage, I don't want to say it'll be a Phil Yell process because I think if you get behind the eight ball early, you're going to find yourself in trouble. But I do believe that uh, there is a much, much respect. And it goes to the coaches, too, right? Like, you think of the experience that James Patrick and Brad Bauer bring into this thing, that uh, both teams are going to be ready to go coming up at the top of the hour. Yeah, good segue, Munzee. I wanted to go to the, behind the bench here. Obviously, you're familiar with both guys. You know Brad pretty yeah. well also. Uh, with Considering how much depth is on both hockey clubs, how much of a chess game, how much of a matchup game are we going to see in this series? Well, you could almost say it's easy for the coaches because they just have to throw out nine forwards and four defensemen each and, and let your starting goalies of Daniel Hauser and uh, Sebastian Costa try and figure this thing out themselves because I think they are a very evenly matched club. Now, 
people will say, well, Edmonton brought in Gooley and Pokop, obviously, for this run, and they're two of the best D-men in the league. But I think you take a look at uh, some of the youthful enthusiasm that Winnipeg has and the way these young guys have been able to play through their 68-game regular season schedule. They're not highly touted draft picks are uh, maybe like Gooley and, and Pokop are for Montreal and Nashville, respectively. But I think there's an understanding that uh, these younger players uh, on the Winnipeg back end can play the game too. And they're going to have to be good in front of Daniel House. There's no question about that. But uh, I think it's going to be fun. And you're right. Uh, well, Brad and I grew up together in Humboldt. And obviously, James Patrick's resume speaks for himself here uh, with what he's been able to do to the ice. And that's why he's up as the uh, East Division Coach of the Year nominee right now. So, uh, yeah, you know what? It's going to be uh, a really fun, long series, I think. No doubt these two coaches have tons of weapons at their disposal. Like you said, you can just kind of roll them out there. But you and I, do, when we were doing the last game, I'm still blown away by Jonas Wu and the way that he's kind of just been thrown into the fire and has looked great doing it in the process. But talking with Don, I, I walk away from this and I wonder if maybe this is the first time James Patrick is going to be facing a scenario where he has to be a little bit more careful with his youth than he's been. Right now, it seems like it's simply been get him out there. We've got enough good guys. They share a thin enough slice of the pie that, you know, all they have to do is contribute and other guys will take care of it. But I wonder if guys like Jonas Wu will get and their minutes will get chased down in his series and if James Patrick is going to have to do something he hasn't really done this year in kind of managing their minutes in a different way. Yeah, curious to see how that plays out, Sean, right? I don't think we're going to know until the game, like, what happens if this thing opens up like game one of the Battle of Alberta? And for either club, all of a sudden it's two or three nothing real quick. And as uh, as we like to say, it turns into a broadcaster's dream and a coach's nightmare all of a sudden in one that, uh, you know, you're, you're chasing the game or all of a sudden you've got an early advantage and you're protecting the lead. And So I think there's so many different scenarios in the playoff series where I think it's tough to predict what the ice time is going to be for... 15-year-old like Jonas Wu or a veteran first-rounder like Carson Lambos, right? Because if you look at, you know, let's just say Edmonton's top B pairing with uh, with Caden Gooley and Winnipeg's top B pairing with Carson Lambos, if you're able to get a bit of an advantage in either game one or game two here in Winnipeg that are back-to-back, you're going to throw your younger defenseman out there and let them play a little bit more, right? Or if it's a tight game, which we expect it to be, you're probably going to see more of those veterans go. So I think it's going to be one of those really intriguing chess matches as the uh, series continues. Brian, you talked about the additions the Oil Kings made uh, prior to the deadline. Uh, how about the integration of the, the deals that uh, Matt Cockle and his group made in terms of bringing in some, some guys to augment the back end and the depth up front? Well, Jack Finley's where it starts. There's no question about it. Uh, big six foot six Tampa Bay Lightning draft pick that's been dominating the faceoff circle, and one of the key reasons why the Ice were able to win those first two series against PA and these guys, it controlled a lot of the draws. Now the Warriors did a better job in the last couple of games. Uh, Jagger Ferguson was really good, and Ryder Korzak was as well. But uh, you know Finley's presence and his ability to to be a big body in a series like this, I think, is going to be important because. You look, and I know we talked about them already, but you look at Julie and you look at Prokop and you look at uh, Kovacek as well. You look at Jakob Demick, who's a draft pick of the Vegas Golden Knights. Like Edmonton has some size that uh, Finley and Smallwood and Year and players like that are, are going to need to be on their game to uh, go up against. So I think that uh, plays a bit of a key for me. Just uh, And Finley was the only guy that had more than a handful of games uh, postseason experience on the Winnipeg roster too. 
uh, coming in because we hadn't seen playoff hockey here in the dub for the last three years. So I think Jack was important there. Tanner Brown's been tremendous alongside Ben Zelotti in that 3-4 pairing coming into this evening's game. He came over from Vancouver and I think took a little bit of a, an adjustment to understand what the East Division was all about, what the bus rides were like because there was no uh, you know, quick trip over to Kamloops or Kelowna or something like that. There was a little bit more time on the old iron lung that uh, he was getting used to here. And then Chase Wheatcroft coming in from Lethbridge has been fantastic in that bottom six. And, not only being a guy that can go out and shut down, he's been really good on the penalty kill too. So I think those three important trades uh, have paid dividends. And then a guy like Jared Newell's been in and out of the lineup as well, a kid that was playing junior A hockey in Alberta, uh, has come in for depth in the games that we've seen him play. He's been really good. So I think the trades have paid off uh, very well for this team. That was that was a great breakdown of that, Monty. Good job with that. Um, well, one you. of the guys, one of the guys who really kind of popped for me. In, in the couple of games I've come and seen here before, there's so many big names on this team. Mikey Milne is a guy that I, from what I've seen, looks like a real driver behind the scenes. Give me an idea from what you've seen from him this year, what he means to this team. Speed, skill, finesse, and uh, a fun atmosphere uh, to bring inside the room or an attitude maybe to say. But when it's game time, like game day today, when I was walking by him inside the room getting a few of his other teammates ready for some interviews, uh, it was Mikey, Monty, and that was it. I, I think he was he was driven. He had the the uh, the blinders on, and he was ready for the 7 o'clock game here tonight. Uh, leads the club in postseason goals right now coming in this evening. And the neat thing about Mikey Mill is he doesn't really get talked about. So I think it's kind of cool, Sean, that you brought him up here tonight because rightfully so, there's so many star-powered names that are here and yet Mikey is one of the players that's on the list right now for NHL Central Scouting coming up this July in Montreal that uh, a number of the black jackets that will be in the building here tonight will have his name written down and they'll put a lot of check marks beside and they'll use their highlighters because they're seeing him do so many things that they want to see. So if uh, Winnipeg is to have success here, there's no question that Mikey Millen's going to have to have a piece of it for sure. Munzi, Mike, tell me if I'm wrong, and I'm not afraid if you do. You've done it before. Uh, Mikey, Mikey Milne kind of reminds me a little bit of Andrew Mangiapane, right? I mean, there's so many stars on that Flames team, but kind of like a guy that does a lot of the stirring of the drink, but kind of in an understated way because of all the little things that he does well. Yeah, I think that's a good analysis. I think we were, when you go back to when you and I used to go to Penticton for all those rookie tournaments, the guests were involved, and we saw him as a young guy coming out uh, to the NHL stage for the first time and playing for the Calgary Flames. And you know, we talked to Brad Living and a number of the, the Calgary people, and they were really excited about the future. They wanted to see how he would be able to develop into a pro player. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing right now with Mikey Millen. Like, he's a speedy guy. He can make things happen. Obviously very good at this level, and you don't know what things are going to play out for next year. I don't think anybody is, is focused on next year yet, including him. But uh, if he has a good series here against the Oil Kings, and obviously we hope Winnipeg moves on into the WHL championship against either Kamloops or Seattle, it'll continue to open up some eyes and uh, probably some doors for him too. You and I, or, well, you and I together on the broadcast in Game 5, closed it out talking about Carson Lambos. And one of the things that kind of blew me away about him, other than the fact that he's just always calm, and I said this to Ken, it's just he gets the puck, and he just puts your team in a better situation than he got the puck in. It's always a, a positive act. One of the things we talked about was the fact that he had a situation where 
he beat a guy with skill, and then a big guy came in on him, and he beat that guy with strength. He's kind of got it all, which sounds like it should be good in the series against a team that is full of both skill and brawn. Um, how do you expect him to hold up, though, against a team that can bring the brawn and the skill at the same time for as long as this Oil Kings team can? Yeah, you know what, Sean? I think the big thing for Lambos and Nolan Orzak, his defense partner right now, is they need to play this series smart because there's no question that you look at some of the size of the Edmonton Oil Kings, they're going to try and come in here. And I don't want to say bully because that's not fair, but it's playoff hockey, so maybe they will. But, uh, you know, they're going to be physical in the offensive zone. They're going to want to try and, and wear down Lambos and Orzik because some nights they're playing 25, 26 minutes a game. You think of the way the Moose Jaw series went and Lambos played 31 minutes against the Warriors uh, in game number four. So uh, he gets a lot of ice time right now on this club and as an uh, I'm going to just say it like I'm biased because I watch him every day in practice. I think he's the best, one of the best defensemen in the league just with uh, the role that he has on this hockey club offensively and defensively. And we saw what, uh, you know, just he's able to do on a national stage as well. I know he didn't play as much at uh, the early parts of the World Junior Hockey Championship, but when you talk to people around Team Canada, they're very excited about the future here. And you've seen Matt Hedricks, the old jet in here that does uh, a lot of scouting for the Minnesota Wild. And close proximity here, they're very, uh, they're keeping a very keen eye, let's put it that way, on the progress of Carson. And uh, we'll be seeing him a lot at Canada White Center here in the future, wearing the Minnesota Wild group. Munzee, we talked a lot about the size of the Oil Kings. For me, one of the you know power forward type of guys, Owen Peterson uh, from the ice, could have a big impact in this series as well. Five goals, 14 points. But his ability to get to the front of the net against a defense core that doesn't that does a great job of the box outs, what kind of a role do you think he could play in this round? I think all those players are going to be imperative when you look at it, Ken, because Sebastian Kosa, he sees that he's going to stop him. Like, the one thing that blew me away, like I watched some of the Leftbridge Red Deer series kind of as, as the Winnipeg series is moving on, but you guys know what playoff hockey is like on an off day or an off night. You try and get away from it a little bit, so you don't watch it as close if you're not involved, but doing the prep and getting ready for this broadcast here uh, against Edmonton, it blew me away to see that in the four games that the Oil Kings have played inside Rogers' place, they've outscored their opposition 17-1. to like They've only given up one goal. Coase has had three shutouts. So if he sees the puck, he's going to stop it. And that's why he was a first-round draft pick for the Detroit Red Wings. Like, there's a lot of intrigue, and he's a big goalie too, right? So I think to where you were going with that question, it's imperative for Owen Peterson and Jack Finley and Connor McClendon to make some noise in front of the net, for Connor Geeky to try and get their net front. The cool who's playing in his final Western Hockey League season right now as a 21-year-old from this of Manitoba. I think these guys have to get to the blue lights if uh, one of the going to be able to score here on Munzee, talk a little bit about it, you know, the off days and what happens there. Give me an idea from what you've seen of this Winnipeg Ice team of how they've spent the time off since disposing of the Warriors to prepare for this series. I think the positive is, is they've gone through it twice already because they had a week to get ready for the PA series, they had a week to get ready for the Moose Jaw series, and now they've had a week to get ready for this one here. So this will be three times now, too. But uh, you know what? They kind of know what the calendar is like. They can allow the players. And we have to remember the one thing, too, is they're 15 to 21 years old. So you got to let boys be boys a little bit. you got to be able to let them get away from the arena and, and enjoy just being around the city of Winnipeg. So I think it's important for them to enjoy some time with their villains and just forget about hockey. So 
they've been able to do that early on in the week. And then the great part about, obviously, the experience factor that we're talking about behind the bench is James Patrick and Josh Green, who have been at the highest level, understand kind of how that whole process is of getting the players wrapped up for a game here on Friday night at 7 o'clock and making sure that their energy is a peak performance coming up, uh, you know, for game one here tonight of this Eastern Conference Championship Series. So I think they've been able to manage it well. They haven't changed first they haven't altered their calendar just because they're now one of the four final teams in WHL I think uh, just having that consistency has been very important for the team and they use the same travel schedule the only difference we're going to see in this one here coming up now is just with because of the Oiler Flame uh, series in Edmonton uh, we're all going to jump on the bus both teams tomorrow night right after the game and both teams are going to drop through the night to uh, get back into Edmonton in preparation and, and in time for the game on uh, Monday night compared to traveling the next day. Munzee, a bit of a scary moment for Matt Savoy early in the playoffs. How has he responded to the injury? And, you know, being from St. Albert, I mean, is it a little bit, it's going to be, it would special, it'd be special anyway, but is there a little bit extra juice here knowing that he's going up against the team from his home province? Yeah, I would assume there is. Uh, Ed, or Winnipeg's got a lot of Alberta players uh, born and raised on their roster there. And the two Central Division road trips that uh, we went through earlier on this year, there was uh, a number of ticket requests and a number of media requests, obviously, for everybody that's involved. So uh, I think he's trying to downplay it a little bit. He's focused on a championship here right now. But I can tell you from a media standpoint that there's a lot of requests coming in from Edmonton already to talk to him when we get there on Sunday and Monday. And with uh, the Battle of Alberta going on right now, there's a ton of media there for, for that NHL series. So not only for this series, but I know they're going to be talking about the upcoming draft and both he and Connor Geekie ranked so high that uh, both uh, the Winnipeg Ice Young Superstars are going to be busy on uh, non-green days for sure. But they know how to manage it. They've kind of been doing it all the way through the year. So I don't think there's any concern, but I know uh, I know Maddie and uh, I know all the people sitting in front of the front and they're going to come up and geared up to play in South Rogers. Lindsay, I started uh, the broadcast we did on uh, in Game Five with a little bit of a contest, asking who'd score the first goal in the game. You asked me, I nailed it. This analysis stuff is easy. Let's be honest. Uh, so I'm going to turn it and hand it over to you for a little bit of analysis. Give me the three guys off this Edmonton Oil Kings team that, if you are a Winnipeg Ice fan, concern you the most heading into this season. Well, that's easy. Dylan Gunther scored in every playoff game the Oil Kings have played right now. He's got nine goals in eight games, so keep an eye on number 11. Uh, for me, I'm going to cop out here. I'm going to take the easy guys. Like, Caden Gooley's a first-round pick. He's an NHL player that could play right now, uh, probably up if, uh, if he would have, but he's not. So he's, he's here right now in the Western League. He controls things on the back end. And, you know, I talked about him earlier on. Uh, I truly believe that this series is going to come down between the pipes. Sebastian Kosa and, and Daniel Hauser here for Winnipeg, respectively. So, again, if uh, you know if Winnipeg can take the eyes of Kosa away and be able to get in tight uh, towards his net, we've seen it. Sean, you and I were talking about it uh, a lot in that Moose Jaw series. A lot of the ice goals have been able to come from kind of the face-off dots in. If you've got that little triangle there, they can... If you get to some of the hard areas, that uh, they've got a legitimate chance to win this one. Munzee, we know uh, injury uh, information uh, vital at this time of year. Uh, are we going to see Jake and Smallwood come out of that tunnel uh, in six minutes' time? Well, you know what, Weaver? The great thing about it is here in the building, so you'll be able to see it right <laughs> before you're sitting. 
I'm the PR guy now too. I got to play that little too. <laughs> you also I know. know I. You also have to know. I have to ask. It's all good. Oh yeah, I, I, I get it. Uh, I know the answer, but I'm not telling you. Oh <laughs> boy. I'm not, even gonna, I'm not even going to try and spin it. Like, you know, coaches say, well, I, I, I laugh. Remember Paul Maurice said, I think I lied once or twice. You yeah. don't go down that road. I'm just not telling you. Fair. Yeah. Fair enough. But, fair uh, enough. Leslie, you've got a long, decorated history as a broadcaster. You're in the SJHL Hall of Fame. So you've seen a lot. You've covered a lot of developmental teams, youth uh, teams on their way up. So you know something special when you've seen it. You know maybe how rare it can be when you're in this position to cover that. What's it been like for you personally to cover this Winnipeg Ice team? And, and I mean, where do you kind of, I, I mean, I know we could maybe be looking in an entirely different direction because they've got such a tough task here that they may go down to history as a team that didn't even make the WHL final. But what's this been like for you? And what kind of team do you see this as being compared to, you know, where they rank in really good teams in the space of time? Yeah, you know what, I've been I've been fortunate my career to be around a lot of really good teams. I've been around some teams and have been really quick and I've had a long golf season. But uh, I think I probably appreciate it more because when I started in Prince Albert, my first year in the Western League was in 2000 and I think it was 13 or 18 wins that year. So I know what that other end of the spectrum is like. So coming in here and, you know, the three of us talked about this when, when I took this job. I knew who Connor Geeky was, I knew who Carson Lambos was, and I knew who Matson was. Those are the three names that I had heard of. First week, I'm walking around the room trying to figure out who these guys are. And then, obviously, the PR side of it, too. I had to get caught up to speed real quick and up with the ice, but everybody across the league, it's been so much fun. It, it really has been. And winning helps. There's no doubt. If you, you win 50-plus games, it's, uh, it's a lot easier to do. But... You know, right from the top, uh, I've been welcomed in with open arms. You're a part of the team. You get to kind of go behind a lot of closed doors that you don't when you're just a member of the media. And that's been kind of neat to see for the first time as well. Um, so it's it's been awesome. You know what? It, it's been uh, it's been better than I could have ever imagined, and I wanted to continue here for another couple months. Munzee, big crowds expected. Uh, what's the buzz like, and what do you think the atmosphere is going to be like in here uh, this weekend for such a highly anticipated matchup? Yeah, you know what, guys? Uh, last I looked, and this was late last night, so forgive me if I'm a little bit behind uh, based on that because I was just getting ready for the game here tonight. But uh, I think they were down to single seats, but there is lots of great standing room. Uh, the Fort Erie Brewing Lounge right along the ice down behind me has uh, general admission seating. I know there's a lot of available seats in there, so you can have some nice chilly beverages and stand right along the glass and get right into it. Uh, where Sean is cleaning up food a couple weeks ago. And then uh, for the game, coming up tomorrow night, game two, I know there's uh, some great seats still available inside the stands. And then obviously you've got the standing room and you've got the party lounge and that kind of stuff. So uh, if you can't get into the building or you can't get the seat that you want right now for tonight's game, definitely come out tomorrow because you just take a look at the star power here for, for the amount of money that it costs inside the, the building to come here and watch. It's uh, the best deal you're going to get in a long time because you're going to be watching uh, probably half of these rosters in the NHL here in the next couple of years. I couldn't agree with you more, Lindsay. Um I'm interested. Sebastian Costa uh, is one of your guys, and I think you're right. has the capability to steal a series. Um, one of the things we talked about quite a bit in the broadcast, though, was Daniel Hauser, and I was just kind of blown away by his mentality in that game. They fall down too early, 
and he never stopped battling, but he never did it in a desperate way. He seemed kind of calm, and I know if I'm looking back and I'm seeing my goalie play like that, I get a lot of confidence in that. And if you've got the roster that you've got, it allows for the ability to come back and win a game the way that they did. From what you know of your conversations with Daniel Hauser, him staring across the ice at Sebastian Bosa, what kind of motivation do you think that gives him? What should we expect from him in this series? Well, I would expect the same kid that's played right since opening night. And when you look at his numbers, they're ridiculous. Like, all this kid does is win. And I had no idea who he was coming into this. If you want to go back to a couple questions ago about kind of what my expectation was and what this year would be like, uh, Daniel Hauser's been one of the treats because he's a quiet kid, but when you get him kind of away from the limelight or you get him away from... uh, you know, a few other people. It's really funny. He's got a good sense of humor. So he's one of those guys that, uh, you know, you really like to be around. And and he's really unassuming, too. Like, he just kind of goes about his daily business. He's one of the first guys on the ice. He's one of the last guys off. And I know it's an old cliche, but that's literally what he is. Like, he's, he's just a goalie that wants to get better each and every night. And, you know, I think his numbers really speak for themselves. He tied for the league lead and wins during the regular season. He had the best goals against average. And, he led the league in shutouts, so he really can't do anything more. If he continues to play like he has right now, he's got to be one of these 32 teams and just take a look at it and say, okay, you know what? He's bigger than UC Soros is stature-wise of the National Predators, and if all he does is win, why don't you want a kid like that next? So I know that uh, the Ace are really excited to have him, and, and he's going to be a big part. He's going to be tested. There's no doubt. Uh, you know, Edmonds is going to throw a lot out of there. This will be as busy a series so far, but uh, I think he's up to the task for sure. Munzee, what have you learned about Connor McLennan, the uh, Philadelphia Flyers prospect? Is he? I wouldn't call him unassuming, but I love the way that no. he plays. I love the way that he plays, and I love the way that he carries himself. Yeah. What have you learned about him being around him on a day-to-day basis? He loves the game. Like, he loves the game of hockey, and he loves life. Like, I think that's the shortest way to exemplify what number 94 is all about because you're right he's never quiet like you know when he is anywhere around you inside the building and then he steps onto the ice and the other team knows when he's on the ice too because he's driving crazy uh whether he's chirping at him or whether he's scoring goals on him uh he's a gamer and uh he's 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 good at the end of the day he's a really good western hockey player I love listening to you. Your passion spills over into your analysis. It's good stuff. We miss not having you at the rink all the time during the year and catching up with you as much as we do. But you know what? The Winnipeg Ice are absolutely lucky to have you, and I'm glad that this has been a place and you're finding as much enjoyment and excitement as you have. Uh, really appreciate you coming on, Lindsay. Have a great call here tonight, and uh, we'll see you behind the scenes, guys. All right, fellas, thanks again for doing this. Really appreciate the support and uh, look forward to a long run here and enjoy the game tonight. We're loving Keep it. Enjoy level we're high. back here doing this for game one of, uh, of the final. That would be great. And maybe even on to the Memorial Cup. That would be fun. See you, Munzee. All right, boys. Um, final parting thoughts, Kevin, before we go. Oh, I just can't wait. This is going to be a tremendous series. Uh, two excellent hockey teams. Uh, and Can't wait to see how it plays out. I think that might, you know, Feeling out process will be played in fast forward is how I would describe it. I mean, I think these teams haven't seen each other for a while, but they're both really motivated to go further 
but you can't go further without getting through this. So uh, to me, I think it's going to be really high tempo, really great pace. Uh, there will be some physical components to it. Uh, I think there's going to be some great goaltending. Special teams and discipline will be a humongous factor, but uh, I think it's going to be just absolutely tremendous and uh, can't wait to see the action unfold behind us. There is really no holes uh, for the most part on either of these rosters. I'm always kind of blown away by, you know, I did that game five here. And there were some you know, seats open in the stands, and I get it. You know, NHL sells in Winnipeg. Um, you know, the, the Moose do, do fairly well, but I, I think the thing about it is always when it comes to WHL or the OHL's Canadian hockey um, or, or even AHL hockey, it's always kind of like selling the stars. You just see the stars of the future before they become stars. I just put it this way. If you love hockey, there's going to be some phenomenal, phenomenal hockey played down here while this series is going on. And I know this just from the last little while. I've got my, you know, my buddy Dwight, who's on our first show that we had here. I went and saw uh, his son play in a tournament this last week. He's playing for Justin Kurtz's team. Justin Kurtz is behind the bench, former Manitoba Blues and Vancouver Canuck. And, I mean, it was great hockey to watch. But the fact of the matter is, again, you come down here, you watch the skill on display. That's something, the fact that you're going to be able to five or six years from now look at these guys and say, like, there's seven or eight guys from the ice here tonight who are going to be not just good players but really good players in the NHL. Yeah, there's all that. But if you just want to get out to an atmosphere and watch some really, really great hockey, there's a place right now in Winnipeg you can go do that and see some of the best hockey you will see played this year. So if you had any thoughts of coming down or any reservations, drop the reservations, come on down. We'd love to see you down here. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody, uh, and, and staying with us through this. We really appreciate it, and we hope to be doing it heading into the next round. Other than that, we'll see you when we see you.